0: Now, if these exchanges are violating securities laws, yes. like You have to go after them. I completely support that. That said, if you kill the major U.S. exchange here, now you're going to push investors offshore again.
1: Offshore, yeah. Because they were going to
0: places like BitMEX that got into a lot of trouble. You've got a lot of shady exchanges that get sanctioned. There's been exchanges based in Russia that have been subject to OFAC sanctions. And if users can't go to Coinbase, They're going to try going to these shady other exchanges where the SEC is not going to really have jurisdiction over them.
1: Global companies face unprecedented risks and challenges in today's economy. To mitigate these legal and economic risks, companies are rapidly embracing and elevating the importance of robust ethics and compliance programs to promote positive corporate citizenship. On Corruption, Crime, and Compliance you'll hear from industry leaders and insiders about how to create effective ethics and compliance programs that will mitigate risks and maximize financial performance. Here's your host, Michael Volkov. Hello everyone, Mike Volkoff here, and I'm really happy to welcome back Mr. Crypto, Matt Stankiewicz from his hideaway in New Jersey, where ever since Bitcoin Started the tank. It's hard to get in touch with Matt because he's in his hideaway.
0: <laughs> Anyways, coming to you live from Jersey City. We just got smoked out of last week at the uh, 80 yeah,
1: exactly.
0: <laughs> First thing we're back to the hazy Jersey, normal atmosphere. Yeah.
1: Well, we, we brought Matt back to talk about obviously the two big headlines Binance and Coinbase, really demonstrating what. We've said for a long time, the SEC is an aggressive enforcement agency, and particularly under this administration, just like the Justice Department, they're ramping up. And crypto is on everybody's target list at DOJ as well. But Matt, we wanted to sort of check in with you and see with both Binance and Coinbase. And I will tell you, I I use Coinbase. I find it to be a pretty good service i never used Binance, but there seemed to me, if you can sort of discuss some of the issues, but there seem to be some differences in the allegations against Binance versus Coinbase. But if you want to start first with uh, Binance, let's talk about that case.
0: Yeah. So even just stepping back at a higher level, I mean, this is shaping up to be a pretty critical moment in the cryptocurrency industry, yeah. You know, obviously, as it relates to regulations. And the SEC is taking... Obvious actions to show that they are very aggressive, their enforcement actions. They've been doing so over the past couple of years. They have issued various subpoenas in the past couple of years. I mean, they've shown they're interested in this industry and now it's finally coming to a head where they're going after arguably the two largest cryptocurrency exchanges on the market now. I think by most metrics, these are one and two. Binance specifically has been the largest for several years now. Included in the complaint, they highlight a few pretty wild details about them. Just the background, trading volume on the Binance exchange in 2021 equaled $9 trillion worth. $9 trillion, wow. with a T <laughs> dollar wow. worth of cryptocurrency was traded on that platform in a single year, which is just kind of an unbelievable number. But yeah, Binance is now in a bit of trouble and the allegations were pretty shocking because they're not just against the company, but the SEC brought suit against its CEO as well. Changpeng Zhao, commonly known as CZ. I mean, he's very active on Twitter. He's a personality in the crypto space, and he's affectionately referred to as CZ because his name is difficult to pronounce.
1: <laughs> so it would be helpful just sort of outline the legal issue of the SEC's jurisdiction, and then we'll get to some of the more incendiary allegations against Binance that extend beyond the legal issue and get into fraud and books and records and types of things, but go ahead.
0: Yeah, so the SEC named a few different entities in this case. So like I mentioned, they went after the CEO, CZ, and included Binance Holdings, which is the parent company operating out of the Cayman Islands. Then also including BAM Trading Services and BAM Management U.S. Holdings. And those are really the U.S. affiliates of Binance. They operate under a different domain, binance.us, they were supposed to be restricted to only U.S. customers, which I believe they are. And what I understand is that they were operating under only a licensing agreement with the parent company. So the parent company was providing them the technology to you know, operate on the trading platform. And obviously, it's IP. They get to use the name and the logo and the Binance brand. It turns out that it was a little more than just a licensing agreement. And the SEC is alleging that Binance, the parent company, was controlling virtually everything around the U.S. operations and the U.S. individuals. Their executives had virtually no control. The jurisdiction is pretty obvious for the U.S. entities. They're based in the U.S. They're serving U.S. customers. So SEC had clear jurisdiction over them. In order to establish jurisdiction against the parent company, again, operating the Caymans, the allegations are that they were serving U.S. customers and knowingly doing so. And that'll bring you within U.S. jurisdiction easily. That is a pretty open secret (laughs) in the crypto industry a lot of US users use offshore exchanges. And those exchanges know that the US users are using it but don't really do anything to stop it. You guys may remember the next issue, which occurred you know, a couple of years ago, they got into big trouble and paid large fines because they were serving US customers knowingly doing so and turning a blind eye towards it. We all use VPNs to access these exchanges. And I don't do it anymore. I may have tried it. In the past, I will neither confirm nor deny. (laughs) (laughs) It it is not difficult to circumvent those controls. Binance, interestingly, has withdrawal limits, and most of them do, about how much you can withdraw per day. Binance, before going through the KYC process, which obviously you you need U.S. credentials to get through that, Binance always had the largest withdrawal cap. You could withdraw up to two Bitcoin per day. And at one point, Bitcoin was worth like $90,000, so that is $180,000 per day. You were allowed to withdraw before KYC. Yeah. So those controls, you know, somewhat lax. So there's always been an open secret that U.S. customers are using these. One of the issues with Binance, though, is that they were allegedly openly courting these U.S. users to use the offshore exchange because it made their numbers look better. It was much better for them in terms of their profit, their own internal P&L, their revenue. So allegedly, Binance has a list of roughly 300 what they called VIP users that they knew were from the US, that they were still working with them in order to circumvent Binance's own controls to keep using the offshore exchange. So that's a pretty problematic allegation. The SEC does cite to certain documents that they've seen, certain conversations that they've reviewed, and certain testimony that some former executives have presented in front of Congress. So it's going to be tough for Binance to overcome those allegations. But before I even get to those, just kind of stepping back, just to you know read the list of charges the SEC brought, are charging Binance and the related entities that they were operating as an unregistered exchange, broker, and clearing agency. They made unregistered offerings and sales of crypto assets. They failed to restrict U.S. investors from accessing Binance.com, again, as opposed to the U.S. entity, and ultimately misled investors by a lot of the things they were doing behind the scenes without making that known to investors.
1: Does the claims hinge again on the SEC's view that crypto is a securities under the SEC law.
0: That is a piece of it. They do allege that Binance is offering securities without registering as you know a securities broker on the exchange. And they specifically list a handful of those tokens. For reference, one is Solana. That was at one time one of the largest cryptocurrencies available. I'm pretty sure it's still in the top 10, though I don't know exactly where it is on market cap. Cardano, another major one. I think that's still top five. Polygon, Filecoin, Cosmos, The Sandbox, Decentraland. You know them, I believe that's Mana, who are a big fan of Mana.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah, It was for a very short period of time.
0: Algorand, Axie Infinity, and the Cody Network. So it's interesting, though, because Binance offers hundreds of different tokens to trade in, and they only highlighted those that dozen or so, however many it is. I don't think that means that the others are not securities, but these are problematic, apparently. It's interesting because it puts those tokens in a really unique position because at the end of the day, if a lot of the allegations hinge around whether or not those tokens are securities, they're not parties to the case to present a defense on whether or not they are. And Mm -hmm. it really is an open question because the rules around, you know, how to determine a security is based on the Howey test, which was an old Supreme Court case that was dealing with shares in an orange grove or something. I mean, just... Something so outdated, it's really hard to shoehorn this new technology into it. Regardless, it's now up to Binance to part of their defense will be showing that these are not securities. To some extent, it's almost as if the SEC is trying to backdoor, set some precedence that these tokens are securities before they actually even bring any actions against any of these tokens. And we do know that a lot of these tokens have U.S. connections. At least Solana is primarily funded by the U.S. Solana Foundation may be based in the U.S., but if it's not, at the very least, I think several of their executives are U.S. based. So it's, uh, well, it's going to be a testy issue for a lot of those tokens.
1: But maybe their strategy is rather than take on the tokens themselves, they go after the exchanges, which seems to be what they're doing. And in that way, they're thinking, hey, we can have a broader impact on the crypto industry if we go after the exchanges and we regulate them as a first step and then go after the outliers as to specific coins.
0: I think that's the case. And I think that's a very important point because these exchanges end up being essentially bottlenecks to some extent. They are the onroads to transfer fiat currency, you know, my US dollars, into cryptocurrency, right? right. Whether it's Bitcoin, Ethereum. I mean, there are only a handful of ways to do that. And Coinbase and Binance are two of the largest ones. So if you kneecap that access... <laughs> you really stymie the access to the cryptocurrency industry in general.
1: Yeah. That's what I think is their strategy. And it makes sense from a litigation standpoint. Use your resources to go after the biggest thing that you can. One thing I read about the case, which I thought was really interesting, is that the government apparently got the cooperation of prior CEOs to Binance to help build the case. I have to say that would be If you got the cooperation of those individuals, that has to help in terms of explaining the case and explaining the misconduct that occurred. I would not want to be the CEO, CZ, Mm -hmm. knowing that predecessors or CEOs are going to come in and talk about problems at Binance and help the government make their case.
0: Yeah, I think some of those comments were actually made in a prior congressional hearing, specifically the ones made by Brian Brooks. Before he was the CEO of Binance US, he was actually the US Comptroller of the currency. So he has a regulator background. I mean, it was really a big deal when he was hired because everyone thought like, oh, Binance is coming into the mainstream. They're bringing on a regulator. Surely he can work with the other regulators to help facilitate crypto to the mainstream. Turned out not to be the case because he was only there for three months before resigning, which was surprising. But we now find out it's because he had virtually no control of the company. I can tell you one of the quotes that the government is relying on is that Brooks testified, what became clear to me at a certain point was CZ was the CEO of BAM Trading, not me. So even though he was in that role, he was not making any of the decisions. And he said, anytime I tried to do anything to rework Binance US, to bring it into better compliance with US regulations, I was overruled on everything I did. And he said, another quote, at some point, I realized I'm not actually the one running this company. And that's when he decided to leave.
1: Yeah, that's pretty damning. And also, whenever you see somebody leave a company that quickly, you know there's something.
0: Probably, yes. you know, before Mr. Brooks, Catherine Coley told Binance's CFO that her entire team feels like it had been duped into being a puppet. Wow. So, oh. yeah. yeah, those. They're, yeah. <laughs> I don't hey, even well, want to know. One other funny note that was highlighted in the uh, complaint as well. SEC is relying on a quote that they found in an internal chat log between Binance's chief compliance officer and another compliance officer that the chief compliance officer said, we are operating as an effing unlicensed securities exchange in the USA, bro. Oh (laughs) my God. Basically a confession, a confession. This is a perfect reminder for everyone listening, whether you're into crypto or not, if you are working internally with your email or your in corporate chat, that can all be discoverable in future litigation and you need to be careful what you say.
1: <laughs> oh my God. Well see we see that we see it all time. the time. Wow, that's terrible.
0: The person already came out and said that this was a joke to not take it seriously, but obviously it's going to be a central part of this complaint. So um, There
1: you go. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Matt, do you think they'll go to trial? Do you think they'll settle? What's the industry's scuttleboard on
0: I think they're gonna fight it. I think Crypto in general is, has been preparing for a fight, and I think this is going to be one of the battlegrounds. Already seen that in the Ripple case. The Ripple case is still ongoing, and it does seem like the SEC is to some extent losing that. Lost on a few key motions recently, and I don't think Binance is going to go down quietly. There's too much money in the US for Binance to quit the US, and I think that would have to be a condition and some factor of any settlement agreement with the SEC. So I think they're going to be forced to fight it. As I've explained by the trading volume, they've got deep pockets, so I don't think they're afraid of the protracted legal battle either. And if I recall, I think they just added a former SEC director to their legal staff. So that sounds like they're gearing up for it, but they're going to have a tough fight. These allegations about the securities are one thing. I mean, that is one side of things, but you know, they're alleging some bad behavior by Binance. Knowingly serving US customers is a problem, you know, especially when it's, again, knowingly and on purpose. The SEC has evidence of this quote-unquote Tai Chi plan that became public a few years back where Binance was basically trying to figure out ways to serve US customers, but obfuscate it. Really kind of hide the tracks of doing so. And they had this whole plan laid out. It was reported in Forbes by a journalist, and now the SEC got a hold of it, and they're basing a lot of that on that. The other issues here is that there's apparently there was a lot of self-dealing. So Binance or CZ specifically maintained two separate companies called Sigma Chain and Merit Peak. And how those operated, what they did is still kind of a question, but the SEC is alleging that at least one of those companies, maybe both, were conducting wash trades in order to artificially boost the trading volume on the platform, basically to make the platform look like it was doing better than it actually was. And to some extent, that could have an impact on prices as well. If you're constantly wash trading Bitcoin, for example, you can raise the price. It's obviously problematic for investors and and users of the exchange. To some extent, it's reminiscent of the issues with FTX and their trading arm, Alameda Research. It does sound like it could be pretty similar. So if any of that is true, Binance is going to be in a lot of trouble, and that'll be really difficult to overcome.
1: But we don't see a criminal case. There's the right against Binance. And do you think DOJ could come in with a case after?
0: I think they could. I think it's somewhat unlikely now at this point. You know, Typically, we see those cases come together. What we've seen, at least in our practice, in dealing with SEC and especially with crypto cases, is that lately the SEC is bringing these complaints without the DOJ following with criminal cases, which is somewhat surprising. It does suggest maybe the evidence of criminal activity is not as strong as the SEC is alleging. I don't know one way or another, but it is odd that if there are criminal activities such as what we just explained, for the DOJ to not step in, it'd be surprising. So I will say this case was just filed, what was it, June 5th, the day after the SEC filed for a motion to freeze the assets of Binance. And I believe the judge has already rejected that. At the very least, she's not convinced because she asked the SEC, hey, do you have any evidence that Binance is trying to move funds offshore? And the SEC said, no, we have no evidence of that. So I don't believe the assets are going to be frozen at this point, which is obviously a big win for Binance.
1: Well, let's go to what I think is a little bit more straightforward of a case and an exchange that I happen to use myself. And I think it's well-run. And that's Coinbase. But nonetheless, here's Coinbase. This got a lot of publicity. Last week was sort of the first launch in a major invasion of crypto. (laughs) So... Tell us about the Coinbase case. How's it different than Binance? And where do you see that going?
0: Yeah, so you're right about Coinbase. This is arguably the exchange that is most well-connected with crypto, especially in the United States. And it's like, look, like if Boomer Mike Volkov can...
1: <laughs> yeah, even even I can figure it. Right. Mr. Techno.
0: I tease Mike a lot about it, but he's actually pretty sophisticated with technology. So I'll give him a lot of credit for it, but... They are very well known in the US. They're a public company here now. They've gone through an IPO process. They advertise all over. They've been on a marketing blitz. If you've been watching the NBA Finals, you'll probably see their logo on the court sometimes. You'll certainly see it on the scroller bar on the sidelines. And you may even remember them from their Super Bowl commercial a few years back. I believe that was 2021, where they had multiple airing during the Super Bowl. So they are very well known, but yeah, they got hit too. And this was not a surprise Coinbase did reveal that they received a Wells notice at some point last year. And that is the SEC basically telling a company that, hey, like we've been conducting an investigation. and At this point, we're likely to file charges against you. And lo and behold, they did.
1: But let me ask you, you raised one issue with me. We discussed this before. And I think it's a really fascinating issue, which is Coinbase had an IPO. Right. Okay. And if I put out an IPO and I'm going to engage in quote-unquote illegal activities. How did my IPO go through scrutiny at the SEC and them not stop it and say, wait a minute, you're planning to set up this exchange for unregistered security?
0: Yeah, it's a really sticky issue for the SEC. And to be fair, they addressed it in the complaint. But yes, Coinbase went through an IPO process. And to do so, it's a pretty rigorous process with the SEC requiring disclosures and a whole bunch of things. The SEC is alleging that the illegal conduct, the securities violations, stem back to 2019, a few years before they ipo So, So okay. at the very least, in the midst of their work with the SEC on the IPO, if not even beforehand. So it is odd that the SEC would approve a company for an IPO when they're violating securities law.
1: <laughs> I get going back in time, but did but you think you that the SEC had a good explanation in their complaint?
0: The SEC says that by approving these IPOs they make no assurances on the underlying business. So they okay. say the two things are separate and distinct, which legally yes that's probably true. And I do believe in any statements that the SEC releases or any approvals, there is always that caveat that you know small print somewhere in those documents. That said, it is a very poor look in the court of public opinion. For the SEC to stand on the ground of saying, we are here to protect investors, but they're not stopping this before investors have a chance to throw all their money in that IPO. It is just a really poor look for the SEC. Does it impact them in the case? I think they'll certainly be questioned about it. I certainly think the judge is going to ask, say, hey, like guys, what the heck? I
1: think as a defense, I think it gives Coinbase a good story to tell, which is, hey, we tried to do everything by the book I don't know how much they talked to you know there were negotiations before the IPO. You know, I
0: have that answer for you. Yeah, okay, <laughs> uh, there you go. In response to the Wells notice, Coinbase noted that over the period of nine months prior to receiving that notice, they met with the SEC thirty times in an uh-huh. attempt to register as securities broker exchange, and they were rebuffed at every attempt. We don't know what happened in those discussions, but Coinbase. By far, in my mind, and this is just my personal opinion, this has nothing to do with anything legal, whatever. By far, I do believe they're the most compliant exchange. I do think they try very hard to have great KYC, sanctions, and AML protection, and all these things to make sure that they are complying with the laws of the letter. And they tried to, to comply with these securities regulations, and they were just rebuffed every time they attempted to do so.
1: I think the SEC is going to have a hard time in this case. And I also, would say, I mean, just following the SEC's typical pattern, the closer they get to trial, the more likely they are to settle. And usually, sometimes, depending on the case, to the benefit of the defendants. And I think in this case, given the fact that Coinbase has already tried to resolve this issue, I think they'll come back in and try again. But at some point, somebody's got to wake up to the realities here that this is not a great-looking case. This, is to me, is much different than Binance. And I get it. It's a legal issue. They want to join the issue, and they want to get the two biggest exchanges in court on this. But I just think that the realities will hit eventually. Coinbase is operating big time, okay, in the United States. And the fact is they tried to cooperate. And if they're willing to say we will be in a registered securities exchange, then that to me is a big deal.
0: I agree. And you have to also think about the implications of what happens here. First of all, I think Coinbase also continues to fight. I think they're going to really put up a strong fence. And I think they see this as a way to get better guidance on the securities law because they tried to work with the SEC, got none of that. Arguably, there is now an independent. Right. The judge. The judge now gets to determine this. And I think Coinbase thinks they'll have a better chance of convincing them The judge to do something or set some standards, then they have had any luck with the SEC. Second point, which I think is big, is again like, what does the SEC think is going to happen after this? Now, if these exchanges are violating securities laws, yes, like you have to go after them. I completely support that. That said, if you kill the major U.S. exchange here, now you're going to push investors offshore again.
1: Offshore, yeah, because they were going to
0: places like BitNex that got into a lot of trouble. You've got a lot of shady exchanges that get sanctioned. There's been exchanges based in Russia that have been subject to OFAC sanctions. And if users can't go to Coinbase, they're going to try going to these shady other exchanges where the SEC is not going to really have jurisdiction over them. Theoretically, they would if they're serving US customers. But how are you going to get these exchanges operating out of Russia, operating out of Eastern Europe, operating out of China? It's just not feasible to recover any assets from them. So it's a tough spot.
1: And I'm wondering, I mean, if it really gets bad in that respect, in other words, that what comes out of this is all these exchanges have to shut down and people are going to then go to offshore links or whatever offshore exchanges. I would even try to get Congress to do something and resolve. And that's
0: where we're at. Yeah, that's where we're at. One congressman just recently filed, and I forget exactly what it was, but basically filed something against the SEC to try and oust Gary Gensler. And it's specifically related to crypto because I forget who it was now. I'm sorry, I don't have more details ready for this, but I do believe they're pretty pro-crypto and have a lot of crypto constituents. You well, I just Congress getting involved now. Yeah, that's for sure. Or
1: resolve the law, amend the law, and say, in the definition of a security, say, put in a meaningful regulatory requirements that everybody can
0: live with. One issue with the legislation, though, is I think a lot of our congressmen don't quite understand crypto.
1: (laughs) Well, that goes with age issue. (laughs) Well, from my days on Capitol Hill, trust me, they have no clue. Okay, but if you have good staff who understand the issue, and I'm sure you do, have people who are dedicated to it, then you want them at the table. And the only problem is, where do you get expertise within the government? the SEC comes up there and they're just going to push their position. But we'll see. Anyways, Matt, good to talk to you. Good to catch up. We'll get back as this develops. And I think it'll be interesting to see when the judges start to dig into these cases, what kind of results we see in terms of preliminary motions and everything. Yeah. You know, It'll take a while and we'll keep track of this. So if somebody wants to reach you, Matt, your email address in case they want to reach you,
0: yeah, my email address is m.stankowitz. I know it's tough to spell, but it's Volkofflaw.com. You'll see my name on the website. And we do have a contact form on volkofflaw.com. And if you fill in there, it'll come to us and we're happy to answer any questions. My blog posts are on our blog, blog.volkofflaw.com as well. Please check it out. It's got more information. Please let me know if you have any questions.
1: All right. Thanks, Matt. Appreciate it. We'll see you next time on the next crypto development. Thanks again. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, the best way to support the show is by subscribing on your favorite listening platform. To learn more and connect with Michael Volkov, go to volkovlaw.com.